I was very happy to discover Meat for Tea's podcast. Elizabeth has a great voice that is extremely easy to listen to, and she and her partner Mark have done a wonderful job setting up a comfortable space for conversations with local and national talent. Listening to the Meat for Tea cast is always an enjoyable experience. The Meat for Tea cast is brought to you in part by Sone Lab, a recording studio in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Offering recording, mixing, and mastering of all styles of music, we even master podcasts. Email info at sonelab.com for more information. That's info at s-o-n-e-l-a-b dot com. We started. We have started. So this is the Meat for Tea cast. It might always start like that. Who knows? Hello and welcome to the Meat for Tea cast. Hello, hello. I'm Mark Allen Miller. And I'm not. Yeah. Who? Who, who is she? I'm also not. But 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 who is she? Elizabeth Mundafi, I guess. Correct. And that is Sebastian Miller. So welcome to. Season three, episode... 14. 14? 14. Are you wondering where 13 went? Well, it's like the 13th floor in an elevator. We just skipped it because of... We did not. There is a very special 13th episode, and if you become a Patreon subscriber, you will be one of the lucky ones to hear me and Tara Orzalik having a in-depth and very literary discussion about yellow jackets. You want this. It's good. You want this, you know you do. We're going to do a part two of it. Yeah. So become a Patreon subscriber and help us keep this Meat for Tea cast going and doing awesome things and providing our usual content and special content where we talk about shit we watch on TV. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So... Basically, what it is, is it is a uh, our first exclusive episode for Patreon subscribers. Patreon subscribers can also get not only exclusive stuff, but they can get previews of special episodes that may air on the regular podcast, but they'll get them well beforehand. First. Yep. Let's see, that's the best tier. And then there's the better tier, which for a little bit more a month, every three months when we release a new issue of the magazine, you can get your own PDF copy of that new issue within literally moments of it being released. And then there's the bestest tier, which is mostly, we're mostly just really grateful that you want to support us a little bit more. And if you do, we will mention you as one of our bestest supporters on this here podcast. So how about that? I would choose to call them very best rather than bestest. Well... That's the English professor in me. Yeah, but it is best, better, and bestest, which doesn't make any sense exactly, but it does to me. So that's how it is. I didn't write it. No, I did. And that's how it is. And yes, I know it should be better, best, bestest, or betterer. Anyway, that's what it is. <laughs> so that's that's what's going on is the season three, episode 13 is actually a podcast on our regular feed, but it is just a preview of 
Elizabeth's conversation with Tara. It's a teaser. You're going to want the rest. You're going to. I, I believe me, I've heard the whole thing. I edited it. It's, it's great. Today's episode, however, is us talking with Arad Evans and Jennifer Coates, illustrious members of one of the bands who is playing our Cirque next Saturday. That's right. If you're hearing this before March 12th and you're proximal to East Hampton, Massachusetts, come on by and check it out. Seven o'clock doors. $5 at the door. All attendees must be vaccinated. Mm, yes, we are. We are asking everybody to be vaccinated, please. We've got plenty of space for people to mingle, but we do ask that everybody be vaccinated and ideally masked unless you're eating or drinking. But there is no mask ordinance in East Hampton anymore, so we can't enforce that, but we we ask you to. This is Le Cirque de Hood de l'Ananas, in which we are celebrating the 16th anniversary of Meat for Tea, and we'll be releasing the Russian caravan issue. What do you think about that, Sebastian? 16 years? Older than me. This is true. Anyhow, so yes, we are having our 16th anniversary Cirque on March 12th at Abandoned Building Brewery in East Hampton, Massachusetts. So be there or be a rhombus. You'll be hearing from Arad Evans and Jennifer Coates in this podcast. Also at Le Cirque de Hue de l'Ananas, we will have, for our other band, Pineapples, we'll have stand-up comedy from Laura Grant. We'll have our usual spoken word and art on exhibit will be by the brilliant Maggie Nowinski. Yeah. So, whole lot of bang for and your short $5. Films. Short films. Oh, excuse me. And short films by Thomas Matthew Campbell and also one a collaboration from Tommy Twilight and LD Green. Yes. So, I think that's something you don't want to miss if you can make it to our neck of the woods. In the meantime, shall we tuck into our conversation? Yes. So here's Elizabeth and I talking with Arid Evans and Jennifer Coates from Heroes of Tulik. So I'd like to welcome Arad Evans and Jennifer Coates to the Meet for Tea cast. They will be playing Hi. our March. Hello. Hello. <laughs> They'll be playing Hi. our March 12th Cirque in which we celebrate the 16th anniversary of Meat for Tea with a gala event. Yeah, it's going to be quite something if you're hearing this episode prior to the show and you're somewhere proximal to Western Massachusetts. We hope to see your face. Mark your calendars. Be there or be a dodecahedron. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brother. Well, quite quite looking forward to it and to the gal. It's going to be really exciting and um, glad to be involved with it because it's a meat for tea is such a great institution for the pioneer, I guess. Yeah, it's it's actually a truly international publication. We we've always had authors from all and artists from all over the place in our pages, but obviously, our events happen here because it would be pretty hard to travel internationally doing circs all over the place. For sure. Where does the, what is this named the Cirque? Where does that come from? What, what's, what does that mean? Um, silliness. <laughs> oh. Largely. <laughs> Good answer. But really though, where does meat for tea come from? Like oh. that's, I don't think I remember that story. I need yeah. to hear that one again. I'll, I'll tell it again. There was on our website, a really cool 
little um, gotten be ten minute documentary film made of us in which I answered that question. And I think there is another interview I did on the public television show. No, the connecting point. Connecting yeah, they, they point. They seem to have pulled that down. But those, those, yeah, we have to clean up our website. I think we've got some dead 404 files. Yeah. Meat for tea became meat for tea with that spelling because way, way back in the days of my space, <laughs> A fellow asked me out and he asked if I would want to meet for tea. Oh, and he spelled it wrong. And he spelled it that way. And, um, you know, hilariously for me anyway, <laughs> I was um, an English professor teaching college English classes at the time. So needless to say, he didn't get the date. That is really funny. I used to feel very strongly also about correct spelling, like if you couldn't spell, we could not be friends. <laughs> yeah, or or if you send me a message saying you're pretty, like possess right, your forget it. So like, what what's my pretty? Could you tell me what my pretty is yeah. that I own? Bad <laughs> so, grammar, bad spelling, thumbs down. Yeah, thumbs down. So yeah, I, I saw just that. All our toes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, English professors are want to do that, but. I, I, I saw the words and I, I just liked the way they look together and how yeah. it almost like wants to be a palindrome, but not quite. Mm -hmm. So initially it was the name of a band. I was playing keys and synth in and one member of the band moved to Brooklyn and another member of the band moved to Rhode Island. So Meet for Tea, the band disbanded. And then some months later in the adjunct faculty offices, of the college where I was teaching, my colleague Alexander Wagman turned to me while we were grading papers in the office and said, hey, we should start a literary journal. And I said, uh, okay. <laughs> I said, I think I have a name. And she's like, yes. And she's like, only colon. And when it began, it was Meet for Tea, the Northampton Review. And then I moved to East Hampton. I'm like, well, it's got to be more widespread than that. So then I made it the Valley Review. And so it's remained. Yeah. Nice. nice. So you, now we're you know. 16 years in. Yeah. Now we're 16 <laughs> years in. And since we're talking about name origins, why don't you tell me about Heroes of Tulik? Sure. Um, what, what I tell people, first of all, that Heroes of Tulik means is that I'm not very good at figuring out band names. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the truth of the matter is it's, it's, uh, people have been naming bands for long enough now that it's not that easy to find an, an obvious name that hasn't been the, on several generations of other, of other bands. Uh, Indeed. Yeah. It's also the case that I grew up in Alaska and spent uh, many summers working in the bush up there. Nice. Uh, Tulik means loon is the word for the bird loon. In oh, Inuit. oh, cool. Cool. And it's, uh, it's also a, a place, um, a lake, up there where there's a, um, every summer there's a, a biological research camp and uh, PhD candidates and, and other scientists go up there and do their projects studying the Arctic. It's the sort of place that I, uh, it's like the sort of place that I used to work in, in summers up there, that, that camp. And so I was thinking of, you know, being a, a heroes of Tulik, just daydreaming about that, that one time. My brother said, if you want to really be a hero at Tulik Lake, show up with some beer. 
<laughs> oh, that puts a spin. You know, I have I have a friend who's an artist who actually went there and made work at Tulik Station. Good lord, I didn't know that. Know that? Yeah, crazy. She was like, yeah. "What is this banjo in?" Thought no one has heard of Tulik. Yeah, uh, I've always wondered whether or not we'd ever get contacted by them. They actually had a band up there that was of the scientists just making music to pass the time. Uh, not that that's that exactly what we're doing down here, but no one's ever, no one's ever reached out, but that's where the name comes from. I like it. Yeah. Do you remember what the, the band of scientists named themselves? I don't. I don't. Band of scientists. I'm not even sure they had a name. It might've just been a video of a bunch of guys jamming up there. Band of scientists is actually a pretty good name for a band. Yeah, let's yeah, let's yeah. be honest. I like it. I like mm-hmm. it a lot. I've got a band name I've been trying to get someone to adopt, but no one will take me up on it. Steak trousers. You're really into this meat, aren't you? You're like a, you're a red meat kind of girl. <laughs> I, I think I just like the image of steak trousers. I think it's hilarious. Someone should adopt it. Yep. But it's surrealist. Yeah, that that's more more than a meat girl. Maybe um, Dada. Mm-hmm. Dada, surreal. It's near and dear to my heart. (laughs) I love that you've got a connection with Tulik outside of the band, Jennifer. That's so cool. Yeah. Weird, huh? It's awesome. Yes, it is kind of surprising to intersect on such an incredibly obscure and mosquito-ridden place. (laughs) Is it? Uh, I've never... I've been near Tulik Lake. I don't think I've ever been actually there. Uh, But that whole part of the world is... It's extremely beautiful and in a kind of severe, almost minimalist sort of way. The climate is so severe that even in the summer, the landscape is sort of shaped by it. And, um, you know, the idea that there would be this kind of, frankly, prehistoric-looking bird like a loon thriving way, way up there, I just think it's a really cool idea. So the I, I, I can't probably articulate it much more than that, but I, I do feel like there's a link between the imagery of the name and the music we're making. Oh, now I'm, I'm getting that. Yeah. Now, now it all makes sense. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. Well, that's completely great. I'm going to have that in my head when you play. Okay, great. <laughs> the calls of the loon. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing we haven't had, although we do have a trombone. Maybe we can get uh, John to, to work on that. Oh, he could totally do it. Yeah. You could probably recreate some of those sounds on a fiddle too, right, Jennifer? Yeah, that's true. Actually, that would be fun. Hey, Arad, why didn't you ask me? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) There's always a power struggle going on here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, basically, it's like, I need to be right a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so great. I was reading your one sheet in preparation for our chat, and I was pleased and a little surprised to find out that that you guys are recorded by, you're produced by Wharton Tears. And speaking of connections with people, Wharton Tears played a Meet for Tea Cirque some years ago. Oh my God. I know, know right? Wow. It was like nine or 10 years ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Probably a decade. That's before we were having them at Sewn Lab. That's actually before Sewn Lab even existed yet. And we were doing them at a 
now defunct nightclub called the Elevens. And yep, the bell was. I remember was, the Elevens. Yeah. And uh, and so was that the Wharton Tears Ensemble? Yes. It was indeed. Right. I, I played with them on a few occasions, but if they were up there, Matt Hunter was probably playing bass with them. He was. And Matt was the was the 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 founding bass player for Heroes of Tulik. Uh, oh and, yes, and also it's how it's how we met it was when Jennifer and I came up and played with his band, uh, mm-hmm. the Dusty Fates. Yes, I totally remember. We had such a lovely yeah. conversation after the show, and yeah, uh, kind of developed into a formal invitation for yep. you to exhibit artwork, Jennifer, and yeah. for you guys to come play. I wish your artwork had more eyes on it. Um, COVID-19 had other ideas about public spaces and art exhibits and people seeing what's hung. Well, it, it, it did yeah. actually have, it did have a lot of eyes. The night. The night of. And then also because it, your art was the longest hanging <laughs> set of work um, mm-hmm. in the history of the studio. It was there a long time. <laughs> what was like the year and a yeah. half or something. And we did open back up for sessions um, sort of gently last August. So it got admired. And yeah, so it definitely, in that's fact, I know cool. it got admired. I know it got admired because people were asking me about it. That, that's very cool. I mean, who would have ever guessed that? Yeah. Like we were saying, two years later, we would be reconvening finally. To- <laughs> it's, the only I know. Show, it's the only art show I know that lasted an entire pandemic. I know. <laughs> you put that on your, on your CV, Jennifer. That, that's a claim to fame. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of art exhibits, I I have been hearing that you are blowing up as an artist, Jennifer, Mm -hmm. and I'm so pleased. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's been a really, really, I mean, it's weird to say, but the pandemic has been nothing but positive for me and my work. (laughs) Uh, You know, I know a lot of artists who've who've said, creative people who've said the same thing. Like we had a chance to really, really dig in to our studios and uninterrupted, you know, without the pressure of having to socialize. And and that really um, gave me a lot of more sort of clarity and focus in, in my, in my paintings. And I was able to really scale up, um, make some big stuff. And I had three solo shows in the past year and have opportunities, things coming up. So I'm really excited to be busy painting. I mean, there's, you know, who can, you know, can't beat that. Mm-mm. <laughs> That's so fantastic. Where were the three solo shows? Um, I had a show at Westchester University in Pennsylvania a year ago um, in their beautiful big space. And then I had a drawing show in New York at my gallery, um, High Noon, um, in June of a series of drawings that I did at the beginning of the pandemic when I actually had COVID and I was in bed I for call. You were sick. Yeah. I was really sick and I just needed to draw. And so it, it, it was really cool to be able to show those. And then I had a solo show that opened December 2nd at the same, at my gallery, high noon. Um, and it ran through the third week in January, and I got some good press and 
have been bragging to my my bandmate here all the time. I sold another painting. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> There's only a few people that I can brag to, you know. So I really do appreciate that that you don't hate me. For, you're very well. You're very welcome. You're very nice to me. <laughs> Well, it's been fun to watch, and you know everybody else has just got their fingers crossed that she'll still play the violin with us. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> For sure, I will. Right, she get, get, gets so, get so famous that uh, the art just takes <laughs> over. So, right. where where is this gallery? Your gallery? Oh, my gallery is on the Lower East Side. It's on um, Forsyth below Delancey, and um, uh, for each of my shows, he rented a second space on Eldridge. So um, for, for the second solo show, I was able to show work in two spaces because the Lower East Side galleries aren't super huge. Right. Um, so it's nice to be able to spread out a little bit. But yeah, wow. Lower East Side, baby. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, sweet. And you've been working, like you said, large. By large, in terms of footage, tell me what, tell me what we're talking about dimensionally. Yeah, I have, I've started making um, six by eight foot paintings, which is the largest I've worked. Um, nice. And I'd love to work larger, but it does get to be a little unwieldy moving those things around. That's expensive. Um, it's expensive, but you know, I feel that when I make a sale, then I can go buy another canvas. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> this is starting to support itself. So that the only reason I'm working large is because I feel like, you know, I'm getting some support out there from, from the world. So yeah. Deservedly. So if I ever become a wealthy publishing magnate, I, my aim is to own a Jennifer <laughs> Coates painting. Oh yeah. An eight footer. At that. An eight footer. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's actually a prerequisite. I've, I've tried to get her to just give me one and that doesn't work. No, you keep working on me for that. And I'm like, listen, buddy. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. Eight, eight foot. Wow. Where would we? We, we'd have to rearrange a whole, we, we'd have to make some hard decisions and take down some, some of the existing <laughs> art. And but we already have unframed art that we haven't found wall space for and even framed art. And I don't know if we're going to have to like move our hanging art onto the ceiling. I'm not sure about the practicality. It would suck if it fell. Well, sometimes it's nice to rotate things out, right? You can rotate oh, just it. treat it like a gallery. You can just paint. This is this is yeah. Well, as she told as she told you this this poor this poor gallery this poor gallerist had to had to hire a second gallery just to fit her yeah. work. <laughs> I don't think we feel sorry for him. No, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I I have a hard time conjuring up pity for a gallery owner. I don't know. It's no. a tough business. <laughs> so let's talk about heroes of Tulip. Like you guys have been around for a while. We have. Uh, we were just. Going over that, uh, it started, I believe, 2011. Um, it's always been a five-piece. It's always had a trombone in it. It hasn't always had Jennifer in it. Uh, she joined a year after we started up. Mm. But she and I are by, by far the longest-standing members of it now. And I'm, I'm very pleased to say, you know, full-on collaborators with, with the music, you know, she's some of the best stuff on our records has been, have been her compositions that we sort of mix and match and collaborate on to a certain extent, but they're definitely hers. In the first iteration, it was 
uh, guitar. And it's always been me playing guitar. And we had a bass drums and trombone was Peter Zumo, who's uh, played with Arthur Russell a lot mm. back in the day. Uh, was kind of having a posthumous moment that doesn't ever end. Um, and uh, uh, he also was a member of the Lounge Lizards way back in the nice. day. Oh, okay. He, he left and found for us this great guy, John Speck, who um, lived in Cuba for a time and also in Florida. And while he's not himself Hispanic, he really immersed himself in uh, the salsa uh, uh, in Cuba and plays with a number of amazing salsa bands. Uh, if you ever go, you're, so the next three days you're going around the around your, your daily round going tin, 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 <laughs> just because it gets in your blood so much. Um, That's great. And uh, he, he brings, he brings, he's not playing salsa with us. He brings kind of that sensibility and, and tone. And he's also a fabulous soloist and, and very good technical player too. Then for a time we had a, we had a turnover in our rhythm section and we had uh Ernie Brooks, who was a member of the original Modern Lovers playing bass. Wow. And Billy Ficka, who was, was and still is a member of television playing drums with us. Huh. And that was a lot of fun. I mean, it was just great just to sit around and listen to them tell stories. Right. Sure. Um, but but they, they were great players. They, in the course of that, with the original lineup, we, we put out a full length and an EP, I think. The EP was with Jennifer right after Jennifer joined. And then we did another full length with Ernie and Billy Ficka. Uh, and that was when uh, Jennifer's songs really started to come into her own too, into their own too. And that's called Like Night. Still around. I'm happy to say we're running out of copies of the first that's record. That's exciting. Is yeah, it still? Um, took a while. Is it up on Bandcamp? Where <laughs> uh, can we buy this? Uh, the second record's on Bandcamp. The second full length, uh, Like Night, is on Bandcamp. The first record, it's uh, you can get through our website, and I think on CD Baby, it's still there. Mm, I think CD Baby's yeah, CD Baby. I think has ceased selling physical stuff at this point. Yeah, I mean, I don't check in with them very often. I mean, that's where they distribute all my mm -hmm. stuff, but. I did recall seeing something about them asking me if they wanted me to uh, pay for them to ship the remaining stock they had of mine in the warehouse back or just to discard it. Mm -hmm. And it was just like two copies, right. two copies of two records or something. And I'm like, I just said, you know, just discard it. Right, right. So, yeah, I think that maybe <laughs> that maybe not a thing anymore. Right. I guess you're right. Um, you said, and so probably that I need to, we check our website too to make sure the, the links to purchase are going in the right direction. We sold so so few copies of physical copies. It was always ex exciting when when one one went. Uh, I'm convinced that there are people out there that just collect all vinyl because our EP was on vinyl, and it would you know people would want me to send uh, you know a copy of it out to Tennessee somewhere or whatnot. Most of the action is streaming, of course, and our primary site for that is on SoundCloud, and that's. It's probably the best place to, to hear the whole catalog. Oh, okay. yeah. We'll put that in the show notes. Now, that first EP, are there still copies left on vinyl? Mm -hmm. This collector wants to know. Yeah, this collector. This oh, I'll bring, I'll bring yeah, some. This collector. Speaking of well, yeah. people that only that like to primarily purchase vinyl, as you saw last time you were in our house, we, we own a couple of albums. Yes, I saw. I mean, we did see. Oh, and yeah. Of course, you yeah. should bring stuff to sell at the show, too. Definitely. Right. 
so then then we had a bit another big sort of revolution and instead of um it being an electric band we got this great stand-up bass player called mappa elliott who's got a fabulous jazz band called mostly other people do the killing i can't really say enough about them they're just fabulous they're extremely good players and uh they've you know they can do note for note rep copies of famous classic bebop records and they can play completely out and they have a sense of humor and, and they tour a lot. So if you ever see them, they're they're definitely worth it. That's mostly other people do the killing. And uh, so that's, he's acoustic stand-up bass. And we've had a couple of really sharp drummers who come at it from a more avant-garde art, arty and art rock perspective than, than Billy Ficka ever, ever did. We had, a fellow who played a lot of avant-garde stuff going back decades called Michael Evans, who we love very much. And he sadly died last, last Aww. fall. Rest in power to him. And now we have a fellow named Rowan Kamini, who is just a, a young hotshot, which New York seems to be full of these days. Uh, the quality of playing in the number of, of younger people running around trying to put a career together in New York is just remarkable. And, if you're trying to put a band together, it's great because there's just talent dripping off the lampposts just around here. Spoiled for choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so Rowan will be coming up and doing his first show with us on the That's 12th. That's so exciting. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. And he's, you'll, you'll be impressed. He's, he's the, he's the, yeah, he's the he's chief. amazing. He was, he's a yeah. lot of fun to play with. And yeah. you can throw a written part at him and he'll just play it down or he can improvise his way probably better than anything you could have written. It's just, it's a delight to play with people of this caliber. It's really good. Oh, this is going to be. I'm so excited. I'm just blast. getting more and more excited the more you talk about this. Oh, great. Now we got to live up to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're creating pressure for yourselves. <laughs> got to make sure we get you a good sound check, that's for sure. Yeah. But we'll, 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 we'll sort that out off off podcast. <laughs> right, right. I was happy to see that you, you played with one of my favorite groups for a while, too. Arad, Glenn Branca. Mm-hmm. So cool. Didn't Matt Hunter also play with, with Branca? He did no, not. He didn't, actually. No. Somebody, else, somebody else I know did. Oh, boy. Well, if it comes to me, I'll bring well, it. Well, Wharton did. Yes, Wharton did. But right. there, was, there was somebody, there's one other person. This this would make you being the third person I think I've known. Uh, well, it'll come to me or it won't. <laughs> but that's really great. Brock is great. I've, we've got a number of his, oh, yeah. his albums. Did you ever play in, uh, any on any of the recordings? Yeah. Uh, I can't rattle off which ones right now, but um, I'm on three or four of them. And didn't he write that? a piece for you? Can we just... Oh he yeah, wrote that's a right. Piece he did. For you. He thank you for <laughs> reminding me. Uh, yeah, he wrote a guitar oh, concerto what? for A. Red Evans. Um, it's called "The Smoke." Neat. And uh, we've played it a bunch, and there's a release recording of that out. After all the years I played with him, and I, I go back to I, I think 1985 is when I joined this wow. band. It's the first time I, or, or frankly anybody, got to play a solo over the Glenn Branca ensemble. It was a real treat. Let me wow. tell you. Uh-huh. And loud, yeah. my pants were flapping. I bet. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, then yeah, it's it's extremely likely that I've got some of the recordings that you were on. And we have to pull some vinyl out and mm-hmm. read 
Read the back of it. Yeah, read the liner notes. Read the liner notes. That's what they're there yeah. for. <laughs> well, he was always very gracious about making sure that all the ensemble members got mentioned on, on anything he put out. He was, he was a really great guy about that. Yeah, by all accounts, he's he's a very stand-up person from... Uh, again, the, the the other person that I know who played with him, and I cannot remember who it is. Do you know what other band he was in? Would that no. jog your memory? No, and, and, and I said I sidetracked myself because of the connection with Wharton and, and Matt. Right. Well, Thurston and there was there's a big Pioneer Valley connection. Thurston and Ronaldo were both playing with him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I, I, of course, I, I neglected to think of those two. And actually, you know, it might have been Thurston. Thurston. That was actually telling me about some of some of his time, but I uh, well, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> but yeah, now actually, now that you mentioned Thurston and, and, and Lee, that that's yeah, that's two more. <laughs> you know, one of the things about uh, the the thing that I like about Tulik is is sort of the mix of approaches that people bring to it, to the actual music, and, I, and uh, you know, I have sort of this noise avant guitar thing, which frankly, it's a little bit obscured by the fact that I'm playing acoustic now in the band. Mm. Uh, but Jennifer is um, a really accomplished and noted uh, old-time fiddle player. And I've tried to keep up with her playing, backing her up on banjo, but she's really, um, you know, she can really rip it up with that. And, you know, for lucky, she might even uh, do some of the country stuff. We have done that on, on Tulip gigs before. If you remember when we played Sonny's, Jennifer... Yeah, um, I do remember. But it sits in, it, it sort of, it sits that, that technique for her and her technique sits in the fact that she's a, a trained classical violinist. She played in orchestras all through school and, and she's, so it's great. You can, you can put a part in front of her. You can say, could you just go off here and, and, you know, give me some sort of modal Appalachian thing. You can, uh, it's just huge versatility, but in terms of the front line, when you play the the sort of Latin flavored trombone that Speck is bringing, and then this kind of stark and lonely sound that is the Appalachian thing reflecting through Jennifer's tone and the way she articulates, it's it really comes together great and is a kind of chemistry that I don't know quite how even how to describe it to people when they ask me what kind of music it yeah. is. But but that but that's the ensemble feel that I think that by serendipity or plan kind of comes through and and a lot of our songs are really built around around that. I mean, you'll hear because we're trending now toward longer instrumental pieces. You'll hear her playing, and that kind of angularity comes through, and uh, and it's it's really one of the special parts of the band. Well, one of the things that I really love that over the years as we've developed as a band and a collaborative entity is that you've been writing pieces that really suit the strengths of the people in the band. So for me, I, I love, I love pattern. I mean, that's the reason why I'm drawn to Appalachian fiddle. Um, I, I love patterns and how they're disrupted um, in those, in those old time fiddle pieces. And you're kind of doing that, but in this much more, minimalist like new music kind of way and um it's just you write things that like that really suit my playing and i really appreciate it (laughs) okay well thank you you know it's something i when i was in conservatory which i was for you know six years uh 
I was mostly a guitar major, but I sort of minored in composition. And so the good thing about that was I wasn't taking it. It wasn't, I wasn't identifying myself as a composition major and I gave me a certain freedom. And I realized that the way to get people to the, the best players in the school to play my music is to write things that they sounded good on. And then they, if you write things that they sound good on, they make you look good as a composer and mm-hmm. everybody's happy and everybody has a good time. Whereas the real composition majors were all there, you know, trying to make their mark on the world. And, and the music was, was difficult and sometimes unlistenable. <laughs> so anyway, that's that, that approach has been baked into my composition, my composing technique from early on, but I'm glad it suits you, Jennifer. It seems like it does. Yeah. Good. And then it, and it really works also, I, I hate to say it, but it works best on your songs. I mean, not surprisingly. <laughs> well, it's been fun, um, fun slash harrowing to try to work out my songs with you over the years. I love that <laughs> combination. Fun, fun slash harrowing, you know, that's how collaboration is sometimes. It's yep. like, yeah, you're going to help me. You know more about composition, but like, what? No, 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 no. That is not what we are doing. How dare you? <laughs> That's where the power struggle comes back into it. But I mean, there's just certain things that I don't have the experience or the brain for that, that um, Arad is help, helping me understand a little bit better. But, you know, I have plenty of opinions and intuitions. So Thank you know, thanks for listening oh, to that. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, it stands for something. So anyway, I, I think of it as kind of minimalist influenced indie informed bluegrass instrumentation, but with trombone. When you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to come up with a better elevator pitch. That's what I got. I said, I've been working on it for years. <laughs> Unless you're going to the top floor and the building's mighty tall. Stuck in the elevator. <laughs> the, sky, the skyscraper pitch. Yes. Your background, Jennifer, yeah. reminds me of my, my cousin, Susie Laurent is a virtuoso, classically trained violinist who um, in college, I think she describes it as being drawn to the dark side and became a, a fiddler mm-hmm. who actually, she's still a very in-demand classical violinist, but she also calls and plays fiddle for um, various country dances and contra dances. Ugh. She's fallen deep. So cool. Yeah, that that's her her whole bag. I mean, I have to say that if if um, I was recently thinking like, well, you know, some of the best times I ever had in my whole life, like one of the top five was playing with a little string band in in uh, North Carolina for a square dance. It was like mind blowing. Just the joy of you know. People like really fast fiddle music, banjo, upright bass, guitar. That was our little outfit. And then people just dancing and spinning and smiling. I mean, you can't beat that. (laughs) Yeah, I think she's a member of, I forget what it's called. It's like the American Country Dance Society or something. They have conferences actually in East Hampton. So I get to visit her when she comes out for her conference. So yeah, I just... you're. Your background reminds me of my cousin, so that's kind of sweet to me. That's really cool. Yeah, I think you and Susie would probably have a lot to talk about if we could ever get you together. I know. I would love to hear. I'd love to hear her play sometime. 
Yeah. Let me know. Yeah, I will. She and her fiance played at our, our wedding actually. Yeah. That was marvelous. Must have been great. Yeah, live live virtuoso classical violinists at the wedding for free because they're family. I've done a little I've played at a couple weddings. I believe it. I just want to mention that. I'm sure you have. I have just I've played at a couple weddings, like and a couple of them I I just was by myself playing um old time music and (laughs) at one of my friends' weddings, they got married um by the there's a carousel in Dumbo by the water. I played a couple of nice things while people trailed in and while they walked down the aisle. Um, but when they did their recessional, I did a um, an Appalachian old time adaptation of the Depeche Mode song. People are oh people. my god! Like, I, <laughs> That's I so genius. Like, too many people. Like this is like this song about people treat each other. So why do you and I get along so awfully? Anyway, I thought that was a (laughs) wedding. Oh, that's that's amazing. That's so dark. I love that. Well, I always always hope to meet people cool enough to hire Heroes of Tulik as their wedding band. That's really my ambition in life is I want Heroes of Tulik to be a wedding band. (laughs) That sounds really weird. Now it could happen. It could happen. I don't think it's hire us. We're available for wedding. <laughs> yeah. You're hearing it. You're hearing it here, Meet for Tea mm-hmm. Cast listeners. You can get Heroes of Tulik for your wedding. Now hurry up mm-hmm. before everyone else books them. <laughs> oh, that's marvelous. <laughs> that's so great. Well, I have to say, one of the things that is is kind of exciting is to feel the the bird starting to flicker to life here. Um, at the end of the pandemic, it's it's been. I mean, assuming it is, God, I certainly hope so. I keep saying it's the end. I'm knocking on wood right yeah. now. The um, you know, we, we have we have our show, which we're very excited. It's our it's our sort of reentry into society up in East Hampton, and that's really exciting. Uh, we have something out in uh, Long Eddy, New York, in the summer, trying to fill some stuff in in between there. We have a. We have one of those Brady Bunch videos that we shot. I say Brady Bunch because everybody's in their own square and it was done remotely. Uh, and I was looking at that and it almost, it was shot, I guess, the spring of 2020, right, Jennifer? It was like June, June-ish yeah. of 2020. Yeah, it was, re- it was really early on, but it turned out really nicely. Yeah, it, I f- it looks like an artifact now. It, it looks like it belongs to another age. Frankly, we all look a little stressed out and I'm not surprised. Find themselves 
in just a moment. And welcome back. That was part of one of those as well during during the, oh, probably mid-late summer of 2020 where, where a friend put together a, oh, what is the Stevie Wonder song? I'm forgetting the name of it now. There's so many great ones. Yeah. Well, it was this large collaboration of probably about 20 people that he put together all remotely mm-hmm. and had each of us, you know, shoot video and yeah he did the the brady bunch or whatever the grid style editing and and mm-hmm. more complex editing too there was you know cut, cutaways and things but it was all done that way and it was it was terrific he had me playing keyboards even though i'm not really a keyboard player like i play i program you know i'm a midi person but i was able to figure out the chords and just comp some textures into this m- melange of uh, yeah, like I think it was like about twenty people on this this track. I'll have to look that up. I'll look that up while. I, wow, I found it challenging to do five. Yeah, you know, he's he he did a remarkable job editing it. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's sort of like an artifact of the time period because that was for a while that was everything. Everybody was collaborating that way. It was that, and also the fact uh, I don't know if other people were feeling. I was living by myself in a house out in New Jersey and really seeing nobody day after day, and. Um, you know, there's a little bit of crazy going on back there when I look at myself now. It's a lot better now. And we did, we did Waiting, which is an excellent song by Jennifer. I feel like you guys might have some common ground with the, the band that you're sharing the bill with, Pineapples. One of the members, Kevin Noonan, doesn't he do like old time Irish country Kevin, music? Kevin Neenan? Neenan. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he does that acoustically. His, his brother does as well. Yeah. Um, you also might know uh, Howard Rappaport, who's the live sound guy for Arlene's Grocery. Uh, that name seems super familiar. And of course, I've been to Arlene's yeah. Grocery. Howard's, Howard's the main sound guy down there. So you may have you know, crossed paths with him there, yeah. but you're going to cross paths with him up here. Um, I think he's the only New York resident now. I think Michael is in New Jersey and Michael's brother is actually coming up from like Tennessee or something for the show. Wow. Yeah, we are pulling people together from diverse locations for this event. No kidding. We're not the furthest, that's for sure. No. 
This is, although I, I should say, this is not our first um, show in the in the in the valley. We played. Uh, it wasn't Northampton. It was sort of a neighboring town. I'm not going to be able to remember. Lawrence. There. Do you remember that venue? It wasn't Northampton. The one that we did in 2016. Yeah. Was it Florence or 2017? That's what it was. We were at a. That was like a good venue. There were a bunch of other bands. Thirteen Florida. That that was my guess. Was it? Yes, that's yeah. it. Oh, we love that venue. We we used to go there fairly mm-hmm. regularly in the before times. Yeah, that was fun. That was yep. a good one. Is that in Northampton or is Florence. it in a, a, a next door town? Florence is Florence. Yeah, Florence right. is technically yeah. part of Northampton, but it has its own city center and its own zip code. It's, it's strange. It, it is oh. it is technically Northampton. If you if you do a Google search, a Google map search for something, it will come up as both Florence and Northampton, mm-hmm. and it's the same it's the same address. It's very peculiar. Right. right. But a, it a is borough. its own Florence is yeah, it's, a its borough, own yeah. place. Yeah. I guess there's an area actually in England proper where you can just superimpose all the towns that we have in this part of Massachusetts. And it's just an analog to the original British layout because, you know, that's how clever colonists are. Yeah. They missed home. (laughs) Exactly. That's, that's very much what it is. And and that still goes on. There was a, a, a deli in, in Anchorage, where I, as I mentioned, I grew up, it was called the Fifth Avenue Deli. It, it, it claimed to be a New York deli. Did did it? Now that you've had New York deli food, were, were they telling the truth? No, they were not. <laughs> I mean, it was aspirational. They were they, they were they were doing their best, but no. <laughs> wishing to be a New York deli. That's right. Wishing they still were back there. But failing miserably. Mm-hmm. No, I'm so excited for this whole thing, and you'll get to meet. Well, I hope she can make it. We have art on exhibit from Maggie Nowinski, and you can follow her on on Instagram and see her work and on Facebook. She's also a college professor. She's she's cool. You'll like her stuff. Great. You'll like it a lot. Look forward to seeing that. Is she going to be there too? I I hope so. Um, When I was arranging with her to be the artist on exhibit, she wasn't sure she could make it, but she was sure that her artwork could be hung. So fingers, I'd love for you to meet her and be able to talk with her, but I can hook. Yeah. I'd love to meet her too. She's super cool. What, uh, not to do business, but maybe this would be interesting to to the people listening. What is the, uh, the kickoff time of the show and what are you seeing as the running order and, and all that? Yeah. I've actually been deliberating on that. So, um, Doors are at seven and that's time for people to come and mingle, see the art on exhibit, enjoy my homemade sourdough bread and we'll have charcuterie. Of course. I think I'd be strung up if I didn't bring my bread now. It's expected. Yeah. it's, It's I've created a thing. Charcuterie from Corsella's Butcheria. I usually also do a crudité platter and like a white bean and garlic dip for my vegan friends so they don't starve. And usually I do something else too. Sounds delicious. I would come just for the food. Yeah. Usually I make brownies or gougere or some other extra thing. So that happens. And then a little bit after eight... There are the films 
And we've got a stand-up comic who's really great, Laura Grant. I think we should do the stand-up, then films, then the spoken word. Something like that. Because how much talk do we want people to sit through? Because stand-up, then spoken word is like a lot of talk. Yeah. And then... Break it up with a movie. Yeah, break it up with a movie. See, thank you. <laughs> thank you, everybody. You're, you, you hear me planning this right now as we speak. <laughs> After the spoken word, probably that'll be done 9.30-ish. We will shuffle over to the larger of the tap rooms. And I'm thinking, particularly if you've got folks who are going to want to drive back, possibly, and we can sort this out, but I would think that it would be you all going on by at 10, 10 at the latest... And then pineapples, probably around 11, which makes for yeah, Sounds good. Like a pretty yeah. reasonable length of time for, for everybody. These days, everybody wants to mm-hmm. play first. And I always book two bands. So I've decided to start telling people that they're first, first and second, first. <laughs> uh, do you think everyone goes to bed earlier now because of the pandemic? I, mean, I don't go to bed earlier but I don't have any desire to be out very late. I don't mind being up late, but I should be on my couch in jammies watching something. Yeah. Yeah. Out. Yeah. I, I feel like, I mean, I was, I was personally never like a super late nighter, but I, I feel that the pandemic has made me into a pajamas on the couch kind of woman. <laughs> That's like my power position. Pajamas on life. The couch. Well, it is different uh, from our youth. That I mean, it used to be that the everybody wanted to be last because then they could carry on the, like they're the headliner. Well, right, and, right, right. And that's definitely not the that's not the case anymore. Everybody wow. wants to be first, yeah. and I always book two bands, so that's why that's going to be the nomenclature from henceforth. Yeah, first, first, and second, mm-hmm. first. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense <laughs> for the, for the logistics of it. Particularly if, yeah, like we said, if you've got people who are going to want to travel back to the city. You'll want to hang out for pineapples, I'm sure, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, of course. Yeah. They're, they're really cool. They've been around since the 90s off and on. Uh, indie rock, kind of um, with a bit of 60s garage. Yeah. A little bit of surf rock occasionally. A little bit of surf rock for sure. But And uh, I think a little bit of the mm-hmm. classic rock influence in there sort of mostly in their, their guitar tones. Uh, Kevin's Kevin is a definitely a uh, guitar tone nerd. He's, and I say that with all affection, mm-hmm. he is, he's, he's just a genius. Uh, MD by day. Yeah. He's a doctor. A rock God by, by evening. Wow. Yeah. It's, um, well, sure. someone else is a lawyer here. Who, who might that be? <laughs> We've got doctors and lawyers. <laughs> Yep. Or do you not want to talk about that? <laughs> I'll talk about it. Um, but I, I think it does make sense to um, put the loud, to go loud, the softer to quieter, and we're we're pretty much acoustic, so yeah. So yeah, do do the do the yeah. louder louder. Yeah, I like to end on a raucous note. Mm-hmm. Seems to make sense. So wait a minute, Arad, uh, you're a lawyer. Yep. How did I miss that? I didn't. <laughs> uh, First thing, my memory served me correctly all night. <laughs> I've just been paying attention to Wharton Tears and Glenn Branca and all that stuff. And I somehow I d- didn't even. Wow. What sort of law? I'm, I'm a litigator, sort of a, a large case type commercial litigator. Oh, nice. Wow. Uh, I was paralegaling for uh, a, a, quite a while just as a, as a day job. And I did it long enough that 
one of the lawyers that I was friends with at the firm said, you know, Evans, as long as you're going to work here, you might as well be a lawyer. It's a lot better. <laughs> and uh, so it, it was right. It was, I don't know. I should probably not confess, but I still, I still think of it as a day job. Well, our bands are so fancy with such distinguished personnel. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> are you all familiar with the band Cordelia's Dad? No. Hmm. Yeah, I think you I would can. like them. Yeah. Um, they've been around since the late okay. 80s, founded by, well, among other people, Tim Erickson, who's a bit of a... Uh, Appalachian. A, Appalachian music scholar himself. He and his band when they were on tour on, on afternoons and things, they would go into local libraries all across the country and dig for uh, alternate verses, missing verses of traditional music, uh, you know, folk songs. Uh, and they've actually been credited with un unearthing some previously thought to be lost or even unheard of uh, verses to a lot of traditional songs, which is amazing. Uh, he's he, he's been cool. a professor of ethnomusicology I believe, and I bring this, I bring them up partially because I think you would really love their material. Um, they do a lot of acoustic stuff, which is based on more traditional Appalachian songs, but they also have an electric side. They're a weird dichotomy. They're another one of those bands that are hard to describe because they, they can just absolutely be a, a rock, a full on rock trio. They cover Cheap Tricks Surrender, for example. <laughs> And 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 oh, and do wow. it and do it blazingly loud, um, but they also do like an electri electrified version of "Will the Circle Be Unbroken," which is actually on their first album. Nice, that's amazing. And Tell the name Cordelia's again. Cordelia's dad, but their Cordelia's their, dad, their right. drummer Peter eventually decided he was going to go to law school, and now he is, among other things, an entertainment attorney. Mm -hmm. Wow! So, in fact, he's I've I've, I've hired him a couple times to help me out with things. Oh, yeah. Peter Irvine, we we met with him some years ago to discuss Meat for Tea, maybe going nonprofit, which he thought we were quite viable for. But then I, I, I got cold feet about what that could possibly mean and ways it could cause the magazine to come to a halt for a couple of years because the status, the nonprofit status would open me up to the possibility of some really big fat grants, but I'd be forbidden to get ad revenue. And if I didn't get the big fat grants, then um, I'm just. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's complicated. Yeah. It's a little bit. And I've got, I've, I've got it worked out. So I've got enough local businesses and others that purchase ads and keep me afloat, knock on wood. I mean that they were able to do that even during the pandemic with all the yeah. Closures. It was amazing. Something. So anyway, that was a digression <laughs> and a half, but yeah. <laughs> Peter Irvine. But yeah, uh, it, sweet guy too. It, it brought us around to, to a band that you should check out. Cordelia's dad. I think a yeah, big bunch sure. of their material is, is on, you know, streaming and all that. I think pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. I recorded a, a number of records with them. Oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> Yeah, I can think of all kinds of music I want to put on for you while we're <laughs> while we're having dinner. So, how are you guys feeling? Do you feel like we, we've we've covered the ground you want to cover? Is there anything else you want to? Yeah, I think so. Um, are you going to have a uh, a chance to play any any sounds with this? Else, do the yes. Just edit it down. Definitely. 
Was that definitely oh, okay? Great, good. I feel like quincunx and and waiting would be like sort of up to the moment, right? Yeah, I sent, and, I, and I'm not sure I sent waiting, so let me do that. Okay, cool. Um, okay. Some other great Jennifer Coates composi- uh, compositions, particularly off of the Lake Night record, that they may not be in the set that we do, but they're great songs. If you want to feature one of hers, and they're all nicely polished up. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Plug. Well, um, yeah, I think we could probably put three or four coming up in a matter of minutes, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. One one reviewer, we got a a couple very nice reviews out of that uh, second record, and uh, one of them, uh, the guy says, and Jennifer Coates, Tulik's secret weapon. (laughs) <laughs> oh, don't just say one of them. It was Rick Moody. Ooh. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's pretty. That that's like, come on. Yeah, it was Rick fucking Moody. He was like Jennifer's voice sounds like like an Appalachian like something something cross with Susie Sue, and I was like, I died. What? I died. That's great. <laughs> yeah. What more could you possibly want? We'll have to get the quote for you. That's terrific. <laughs> Rick Moody, the author. You were carrying it around on a, you should, you should get it printed out on a little card. Uh, I should. Yeah. So you I just need it to people. I think you should get it printed on a t-shirt, Jennifer. Yeah, I was thinking the same. <laughs> I should. Rick Moody says about me, <laughs> I will. A good idea. Lisa. Yeah. Well, I mean, Thank if you. you, if you're going to just, you know, proclaim it to the world, <laughs> no better way than just to wear it. And she, and she is. <laughs> Right. And I am. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah we're, we're all proclaiming it. No shame. No, no shame. No, I think that's, you might as well take pride in that. So you, you may have noticed we just, we just have a chat, like I told you, and I don't do interviews, but at the very end of the podcast, I have three questions that I like to ask my guests, little short, simple questions. Okay. And they're fun. So, um, what are you reading? Suddenly nervous. Oh, don't be nervous. What, what are you reading right now? I'm reading The Seven Pillars of Wisdom by T.E. Lawrence. Wonderful. One of my favorite books. Wow. Read it probably every once every 10 years. Nice. Very cool. Um, I'm, reading, I'm reading a book. It's called Inflamed, Deep Medicine and the Anatomy of Injustice by Rupa Maria and Raj Patel. It's nonfiction. And it's absolutely incredible. It's about how our bodies are inflamed and the world is on fire and how colonialism inflects the language around medicine and um, how people get treated. I've heard of this book. Healthcare. Mm-hmm. It, it covers like autoimmune stuff too, right? I mean, that's part of the inflamed. But it does it in this really, really unique and original um, way. It's, it's it's really yeah tops. No, that sounds brilliant. That's no, terrific. Really cool. So, what are you guys listening to right now? What's on your turntable? If that's your mode of listening, or what? However, else you listen to music. I guess I've been deep, deep diving with Derek Bailey. Ooh, I love him. That makes me like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> makes me want to check out Derek Bailey. Yeah, I'm tell us familiar. about Derek Bailey. Oh, he's a, um, a a wacky avant-garde guitar player. Uh, had a long, long career. I think he's dead not so long ago. Hmm. He has one fabulous funk jazz, uh, funk avant-funk record. Let's see if I can't pull the name of it up. Um, 
but, but there's nothing you can, there's nothing bad done did by Derek Bailey in, in my view. My favorite album of Derek Bailey is is I think it's from like 1981. It's called Miracle. It That's has the one. That's exactly the one I was trying to think. Maladine Takuma yeah. and oh, so we're good. gonna have to get that yeah. into our library. Mm. That's really cool. I've been listening to VJ Iyer. Um, he's a, a jazz pianist. He's amazing. And I saw him um, at the Village Vanguard a couple weeks ago. It was like the, the reopening night of the Vanguard, oh which is God. one of my favorite places to see How music cool. in the city. And it, it was VJ Iyer, um, Taishan Sori on drums. He's amazing. And this woman, um, Linda Mayhan O oh, on upright bass. And she like blew my mind. That mm. sounds incredible. I'm yeah. jealous. Good way to reopen. Wow. Yeah. I'll reopen with a I know, bang. Right? I know. It was good. That's incredible. Okay. Third question. What are you guys watching these days? Be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what I watched last night. Uh, fell asleep in the middle of is um, this silly British comedy called the IT group. I love that. Oh, IT crowd. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mark and I binged the whole thing. IT crowd. That's it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah we binged that right, right on through. Oh, Richard. It gets more and more bizarre with each, with yeah. each one. It, it, it's, it's completely Dada. Richard. Um, mm-hmm. Richard Ayoade, the Indian fellow. I forget his character's name now. I think his uh, background. I think he's partially Indian. Ayoade. Yeah. But he is, he's hilarious. He's got another show that he hosts called Travel Man, which is just a scream because it's, him with a guest disenjoying his tourist experience out loud. <laughs> it's endless fun. Wow. He, he's very witty in the ways he can disenjoy things. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable in a wonderfully charming, funny manner. I like that. He hates cool. a lot of the things I hate. Like he's at a sporting event. He's like, Oh, sports. So <laughs> 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 well, who else is who yeah. plays the goth in, in IT crowd is a Noel. Um, oh, Noel Fielding. Noel, Noel Fielding. Yeah. Who's also. Oh, I love him. Yeah, he's been hosting the great British him. Bake Off, but. He, he, British Bake Yeah. Show, if you want to yeah. see him early in his career, he's in that. And he's ridiculous. The, I should watch that. What are you, Jennifer, you watch it constantly. The, the British Baking Show. You're, you're, no, 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 the IT. <laughs> oh, the IT. You should. Crowd. It's, it's, it's. <laughs> I mean, of course, obviously I watch the great British baking show. Who doesn't watch that show? And apart from that, I just watch air disaster documentaries pretty much all nonstop. That's a good balance. I get it. I don't know why. I just love them. I can't get enough of air disasters. I don't think anyone needs to make an excuse for what they love. I agree. I agree. I've been binge watching Inventing Anna. I watched that whole thing. Wasn't it great? Yes, I'm obsessed. It, it's so good. <laughs> I'm I'm right. I'm just at the end, and it's really, really been a fun. I, I finished yes. it about oh, four days ago, and I was actually sad mm-hmm. at the end. Well, I think about her when I'm not watching it, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> She's <laughs> like, so captivating. Who is this woman and Julia Garner is just so good as oh, Anna Delvey. She's incredible. 
She is so convinced. Uh, the, the, her accent work is out of this world. Yeah, I know. I have that accent going through my head all the time. I'm Anna Dalvey. Oh, my God. No. I'm so impressed with you, Jennifer. <laughs> That's so good. Um, we're actually watching... Well, I, I was a bad wife a few years ago, and I, I binge-watched all the available seasons of Ozark without Mark. Ooh, yeah. So now I'm, I'm starting again and watching it with Mark because there's a new season. So I need to get That's caught nice. up. And, um, yeah. Cause I, David and my husband and I, we started inventing Anna together. And then I, I was like sneaking. <laughs> and he came home and he's like, what? So you understand what are you doing? And I'm like, okay. you get my guilt. Yeah. You understand. I was like, listen, we can, we can watch it again. It's fine with me. I'm cool with it. Like I'll watch it again. But I had to cheat a little bit. You know what I'm saying? If, if the only no, form of infidelity is watching a show they don't watch with you, I think it's pretty mild. Yeah, it's forgivable. They can put up with it. But um, in Ozark, Julia Garner plays, um, well, an Ozark kind of trailer trash girl. Really, really street smart. So and she does it. So well, and again, she just nails that accent so well. Yeah, she's a, she is a, a heroine. She's a chameleon too. Yeah. You know, whatever she's, she's in, she just something. like kind of falls into that role. In that show, if they murder any more people, they're not going to be able to put the show on. They'll be out of characters. Don't spoil it for me. I'm only on like episode five of season one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's there's a fair amount of body count in it. Oh, as you know. it, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm aware. That's yeah. Well, sometimes we just, we just need some, what did I tell you? I was missing in our TV viewing. We were watching all nice things. I'm like, I need more creepy and killing. Yeah. We don't have enough creepy and killing. That's funny. (laughs) There's a place for that. Well, geez, guys, thanks so much. This was fun. Well, thank you. I, I, thank you. I have, I have to put something in my stomach and make it to rehearsal. So I, I think we, we, I think we I did think it. I think we did it. This was really it. fun. Yeah. This makes me excited to see you in person. Yeah, it's going to be great to see yeah. you both. Thank you so much for, for having us come and be on your podcast. And it's so totally fun to talk to you guys and catch up. Yeah, uh, you too. Reminds me of that that, that evening that we spent a couple of years that ago. That was fun. Yeah. I know. It was, it was too brief, but it was, it, was, yeah. it was excellent. So we get to do it again. We get... Yeah. Part two. Without a repeat of anybody getting sick. I'm knocking on wood right now. (laughs) I know. Heart and (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for being our guest on the Meet for Tea cast. Have a good evening. Have a great rest of your night, night. guys. All right. Yeah. Bye-bye.
Hey, that was good. Wasn't that fun? That was really good. They're delightful and lucky local peeps or, I don't know, maybe peeps that are traveling from the, these bands. Some of members are coming up from New York. If you live in New York, don't hesitate to take the drive out and catch this wonderful show. Because will be one of the lucky ones to see these people in person. It's also possible that the recordings from this show might be, oh, one of those, um, you know, bonus, uh, you get to hear it before everybody else Patreon episodes. Quite possible. Speaking of extra things, I neglected to mention that in addition to the 16th anniversary Russian caravan issue, we have a brand spanking new chapbook. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's a good one. You remember one of the people who did the chapbook, right? Yeah, yeah. Want to, tell, want to introduce her? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a book about uh, a dog. And who's one of the authors? Jane Yolen. And we know Jane Yolen because of who? Myself. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I got an award, award from her back in the fifth grade. It's so cool. And then we had a relationship with Jane so cool. Yolen ever after. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's Jane Yolen and Peter Tacey, her husband. And it is Black Dog Poems. It's going to be available on Meat for Tea Press. Probably by the time you are hearing this, you can order it from our website. But and it's also going to be at the Cirque. Yep, that's right. Yeah. And it will be discounted at a Cirque price, as is the magazine. So yes. word to the wise, if you are <laughs> traveling to the Cirque, buy your Meat for Teas and your Meat for Tea merch there because when they hit our distribution points the price goes up slightly 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 so a little bit of housekeeping if you like what you're hearing and you want to support us you can give us a five-star review with writing with writing on apple podcasts or subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts but most importantly tell your friends about the me for tea cast become a patreon subscriber and become a patreon subscriber you want to alternately or in addition, you can get cool merch in Sebastian. Tell us about the merch. You got shirts, hoodies, pint glasses, tank tops, mugs, I think. Yep. Water balls, yeah. <laughs> Whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, it's excellent. And that is, all those things actually are available through our website, meatfortea.com. If you go there, you know, hunt around. There's a t-shirt icon, which brings you to the merch. There's a link to the Patreon. There's, There's a- meatfortea.com forward slash donate dot htm. And also, hey, you can buy issues or subscribe or, um, you know, get PDFs if you prefer your meat digitally. We've got that as well. So I think that about covers it up. Not really. <laughs> There's only one reason we, Meat for Tea is hitting its 16th year, and we are a physical in-print publication, and this is at a point when ever so many arts and literary journals are going to online only, and that is because of our advertisers. Mm. Without the support of our advertisers purchasing ads in our publication, and we take that ad money and we give it directly to our printer, who is Paradise Copies. Thank you, Paradise Copies. Yes. Without them, we couldn't have stayed in print this long. So, you have a small business, you want to support local arts and media, well, consider advertising in a future issue of Meat for Tea. We appreciate it, and you keep us in print. Yes. 
the advertisers and subscribers and um, Patreon contributors and everybody. You all help keep us doing what we're doing, and we really appreciate it. So thank you very much. I think that um, I think that about wraps us up for season three, episode fourteen. Fourteen. <laughs> of the Meet Go for check out episode thirteen. Two bucks, you can hear the whole thing. Yep, that's right. Yep. So, anyhow, thanks so much. We'll see you again in a couple weeks. Ciao. Adios. <laughs>